What's up, Fright Schoolers? Hello, Joe. Hi, Joshua. Where are we? We are at the La Jolla Playhouse at the, what was it again? <laughs> the Forum? <laughs> yes, we're at the Forum. <laughs> we're at the Forum. The, the world-famous La Jolla Playhouse. Yes, the world-famous La Jolla Playhouse. And we are, we're here to see Put Your House in Order, a brand new horror play. Uh, horror rom-com. Horror rom-com. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Horror rom-com. Yes. yes. Uh, new awesome work by playwright Ike Holter out of Chicago. And uh, it was an interesting time. So stay tuned as we uh, break down this uh, play. (laughs) Welcome to Fright School. Are you ready? Class is in session. Hello and welcome to a special episode of Fright School. This is Fright School Theater. Welcome, Joe. Hello, Joshua. How are you? I'm good. We are now. This is how we'll talk the whole time. Hello, we are yes. theater. Yes. Now that we have, now that we have been invited to critique theater, this is how we must talk. Yes, we the theater. Or I want to be those old guys in the Muppets. In the Muppets, yes. Yeah. Learner and Loeb. Is that what I don't who they know. are? I have no idea. <laughs> I just have like an image of That's them a very uh, deep cut gay theater reference for anyone out there. Learner and Loeb. Huh. Here we job. are. Here we are. We're back. Uh, yes, with this fun episode. We were um, invite. I don't know. What do you want to say? How do you want to say we that? We were. <laughs> it's uh, the La Jolla Playhouse graciously had us as their guests. Yes, there we go. I like that. Graciously had us as yes, guests. Yes, which for our listeners who may not be familiar, uh, with the La Jolla Playhouse's esteemed history. Yes. Um, there are a lot of uh, many classic Broadway shows that have come from and started out as uh, premieres of the La Jolla Playhouse and yeah. made their way to Broadway. Yeah, Tommy. Tommy, um, the Who's Tommy, uh, directed by uh, the inimitable Des Mackinoff, um, Memphis, The Jersey oh, wow. Boys. Oh, yeah, I'd heard that before. Yes. Um, yes. Let's see, most recently, Escape from Margaritaville. Uh, summer. Uh, spectacular bomb. So, yes, but Summer, the Donna Summer <laughs> musical. Um, also as well. Is that fair to say? Was the Jimmy Buffett? Oh, yeah, it was. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't even nominated for anything Aww. at the Tony Awards. Sorry. Damn. But it's a fun show. Well, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. I, I think that's kind of the issue with theater. And you, we're going to get... This is just the first... We're doing. We're doing some. We're doing another episode um, coming up about uh, a, a horror musical. Yes. And so, Happy Pride Month. Yes, Happy Pride Month. And so, because of that, I, I don't want to get too much into that conversation because we're gonna we're gonna talk all about the state of musical theater and that. But you know, if something is popular with audiences and that people love and they want to go to. Does it fucking matter if the Tonys like it or not? You know, yeah, kind of exactly. like the Oscars, things like that. So exactly, you'll have to listen to the, that episode, um, which it'll be clear what uh, what movie we're talking about <laughs> when you see the episode. When you see, but it. I just didn't want to. I, I don't want to get too too uh, bogged down in that conversation. But yeah, it's yeah. it's kind of interesting. Um, I read that the uh, Jimmy Buffett musical Escape to Margaritaville, Escape to Margaritaville, okay. um, cleared out all the liquor in the bar 
like they ran out of booze. Yes, of course they did. Yeah, uh, the parrot heads uh, are parrot drinkers. Heads, yeah, they're they're you know they the whole musical's named after a, a liquor mm-hmm. and uh, you know they drink. Yeah, yeah, they they, lo- they do love a good drink. Speaking of drinking, what are you drinking? Uh, just some white wine. Ah, yes. Yeah, yeah. I'm making a risotto. Ah, um, and so uh, and because I uh, believe in, in a garden, you gotta get a wine that you like drinking. Yes, because sometimes people are like, "Oh, just any old wine," They're and like, just no. buy a cheap wine and throw it in there. But no, if if you will drink it, cook with it. Yes, you know, I do. I do agree with that. You get a good so, white wine. Yeah, so a little bit for the pot of risotto, a little bit for my mouth hole. A lot of bit for your mouth. A little hole. Bit. <laughs> just Why is this risotto hole? dry, Joshua? I was like, right. Oh, it's because. That's all of it's in there. Yeah. Best. So, so we've, uh, horror theater. We've never done a horror yes, theater. Yes, this is a first. Yeah, so it was very fun that they invited us to um, to see this show. It's called Put Your House in Order, running now uh, at the La Jolla Playhouse here in the beautiful San Diego um, from June 2nd to the 30th. Uh, do they typically extend stuff, or do you know? I don't know. Um, hmm. I think this one. I think this one will definitely... Uh, I don't know if it'll be extended or not, but okay. we'll we'll put it up there if it is. Yeah, uh, because it's really great and all. It and, was fun. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. So uh, background, uh, it's called again. Put your house in order by Ike Holter, directed by Lily Ann Brown. Uh, here and let's see. Uh, it stars uh, Bezad Dabu. Bezad Dabu. Yes. Bezad Dabu is Roland. Linda Libby as Josephine and Shannon Metesky as Carolyn. And so Roland and Carolyn are on a first date, though they kind of dispute that in the show. Yes. How each of them views the date. But in the description here that I'm going to read, it says Carolyn and Roland's first date begins as a pretty average night that ends at her house in an upscale Chicago suburb. But yes. when the city around them starts to exhibit signs that something is terribly wrong, they must quickly learn to trust each other to stand a chance against the horrors outside the gate. Equal parts romantic comedy and old school thriller, this new play from one of Chicago's hottest playwrights explores new beginnings at the end of the world. Yes. Yes. So yes. let's... Uh, we love all... Well, I love a, rom- I love a rom-com. It had, yeah, it had yes. elements that both of us could appreciate. Exactly. We're sitting there and I'm like, oh my God, there's one for you and one for me. Yes. This is yes, made yes. for us. Yeah. Uh, so just to start, first of all, when you walk right into the theater and this was showing, it's at the La Jolla Playhouse at the Mandel Weiss Forum. Yes. Uh, which is sort of like a stadium arena type seating. Yeah. And the play, the play is like on the ground. It was kind of neat. I felt like um, we were... Somebody just pulled up some, uh, like, what are those called? Like the stands? The sta- risers. The, the risers. You know? the, the bleachers. Outside some, yeah, bleachers. Exactly. That's yeah. exactly what it was. It felt like we were just sitting in bleachers outside the front of somebody's house. I mean, the, the set design was absolutely incredible. Uh, when you walk in, it's just you're kind of... It, it was hard to tell if we were backyard, front yard, because they kept talking about a fence being around the whole... Yes. But it's sort of invisible. That fourth wall was yeah, a yeah, fence yeah. as well. So it's kind of like you're in the front and the back of the house or something. I don't know. Yeah, you it's know what I mean. I, I get what you're saying because it's like there's like a fence in front because 
So it takes place in Evanston, and they mention that I think that this particular house either has a view of or looks at a lake. Yeah. So I think what we're meant to think is that the front of the house, it faces the lake, but because there's a path in front, they put a gate in front of the path. Yeah, that makes sense. Because they also make fun of the, the lake people who jog and stuff. So Yeah, so they must be able to see. But there is a fence there to keep out... The, the 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 whatever's happening the, the, yes, on the, the rest of the world yes, the rest of the world um yeah but the house was beautiful it was like frank lloyd wright design yes uh, awesome like two-story facade beautiful i mean when the lights went out it really felt like you were like sitting they did a beautiful job i thought with the set oh yeah and that's a shout out to scenic design arnel uh sanchianco sanchianco i'm not sure how you say this but we but Oh no, it was fantastic. Great. Yes, yeah. fantastic. Yeah, yeah, the set design was absolutely incredible. I mean, you just it felt so tangible. Mhm. And uh, and just reading the story a little bit about the how he did that was um, they looked at houses, thank you Google Maps, <laughs> thank you Google Earth, <laughs> right? Looked at looked at different houses. And then when one came about that was the house that actually came about for sale, they were they were able to um, get a bunch of good pictures from the real estate agent regarding the house, and basically based a lot of uh, um, a lot of design on that on this particular house in Evanston. Yeah, part of the uh, notes. So in the program, uh, yeah, he said that it had went on sale, so they could look up the listing and they find found pictures of the interior and exterior, and so they were able to create it. And it was kind of neat because when they opened the doors, like there was patio doors, and then the front door, there was a there was realized stuff in the inside yeah. like you you know they they did a good job that it wasn't just you know blank like it, it did feel like a, a house so that's uh you know just on the surface just before even anybody yeah. comes up i was very impressed already yeah, absolutely i was here for it <laughs> absolutely here for it so what do we want to talk about in terms of the play? Because I don't want to give too much away. This is not a spoilerly, spoilery exactly. podcast. Because I do want people to go and see the show. I want I want them to um, not be spoiled. Exactly. So this was the world premiere yes. um, of this particular production. It was workshopped in Chicago, where Ike is from. And then it is actually, you know, who knows from this point? You, you should follow... Uh, the playwright and, and uh, you know, definitely put this particular play out there um, because this could definitely have a life in various regional theaters, could go back east. Um, so it's something that we're hoping uh, you, the listener, will have a chance to actually see on stage in your general vicinity. Yes. yes. Yeah. Um, I like that he... so. Holter, Ike Holter, who the the playwright, um, put this together, and these these are some of the uh, part of the press materials uh, that we were given. Um, the show explores how humans deal with the possibility of things changing very quickly. He wanted to look how people are forced to confront a situation that seems insurmountable without the ability to turn to technology as an escape. Um, obviously, they're on their phones a lot at the beginning, you know, kind of dealing with. It's interesting because the play starts, the two of them, you know, are having some, you know, a, a date. He, mm-hmm. he comes, it starts with her. Uh, Carolyn comes out first and she's like roaming around her front yard and then he arrives and then, you know, they kind of, they're flirty and doing the whole like little date thing, but they're getting texts or they're checking the news and the city around them is starting to crumble and you can yeah. hear. There's a lo- there's allusions to like a cataclysmic world yes, ending. Something event. is gone. People are getting sick or something, you know what I mean? Something's happening. And uh, so... 
you know, I don't think that's too spoilerly. That kind of starts pretty yeah. early. That's an, you know, you get that in the beginning. Uh, but yeah, it was kind of interesting to watch the two of them. And then later a neighbor who, who gets introduced, uh, as they are trying to like figure out what to do and how to survive and if they should leave or if they should stay, uh, you know, it was very tense. It reminded me a lot of, it was kind of like a stage twilight zone episode yeah, or something yeah. out of like, or very, it was very Hitchcock that we stayed in kind of one place the whole time. You have a very t- a tiny cast, um, you know, three people, and, um, you know, it was, it was neat to kind of watch, you know, it, it felt very voyeuristic, you know, and that we were just watching these th- two, two to three people, depending, you know, at what point in the play it was, deal with this cataclysmic event. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I, I definitely, the thing I appreciate about this film too, is that it, from, uh, from the moment we started, even with the projections, um, giving it that, uh, that horror, uh, that horror film feel, feel. So like they had these projections that were like credits. So yeah, that was yeah. really neat, actually. Yeah, I yeah. thought that was really cool. Um, the sound design there uh, with the, the the theme and all that was really great. Um, what I will say is that you know this this uh, show does exactly what we always talk about here on Fright School, which is uh, horror as a way. Um, horror as metaphor, horror as allegory for larger events that are happening in the world, or as a way to comment on it. So you know, we've oh ta- yeah, yeah, we've absolutely. talked a lot about how you know, in what's the next watershed moment, what's the next thing that we're going to explore, horror will explore, and this idea with uh, with you know, Get Out and future and subsequent films as um, horror as uh, social horror, social horror for social commentary, um, things talking about um, the times in which we live and viewing it through um, a hyperbolic horror lens. So with this particular show, I thought they did that very well. Um, I thought that it was very topical and the, the, <laughs> the chemistry between the two were, was really great. Yeah. They cast them really well. Yeah. Cast really well. And they, it's just, it's really great to also have that kind of, um, comedic element and sensibility to it too. Yes. Because it really makes the, the more serious dramatic moments hit that much harder. Yeah. And, um, and it kind of lulls the audience into this false sense of security. So uh, something I very much appreciated. Yeah, absolutely. And like, you know, you brought up uh, Get Out and this uh, one of these articles brings up Get Out and Hereditary about um, changing sort of the nature of the horror genre and, and you know, bringing in more women and more people of color in this, this uh, production. Uh, they said they have very few uh, white males working on the show. It's largely people of color, women, obviously, um, the director is a woman. Uh, I imagine Lillianne Brown. <laughs> I didn't, we didn't get a chance to talk to her. Um, we have to chase these people down. And I'm so curious what, you know, how they feel about uh, doing this show. But anyways, the point is, is that, um, Holter's quoted also saying, what's scary to me as a millennial gay black person who lives in the Midwest is much different than what it is, uh, than what is scary to someone else who lives in Ohio and is a white woman in her seventies, which I thought was very fascinating. Um, you know, the, the nature of fear yes, and yes. how, you know, sometimes, you know, we're, we're lefty, we're liberal, you know, types, you know, here, West coast elites, <laughs> Uh, sometimes when we view something and we see it as a reading on like the right wing and their like fascism that, that we fear, 
the same people that are on that side view it as like something demonstrating all the rising like socialism, you know, left wing insanity, you know, that, that, you know, we all see each other as the heroes in stories, you know, or that we interpret things through our own perspective. And I, I think that's kind of mind blowing when we can share the same fear about something from, from radically different, perspectives you know yeah absolutely and i think this show can kind of get at that a little bit yeah you know it was interesting because the um uh holter is uh i read an article where holter is very known for a, a lot of uh his work deals with um the city and the people of chicago so he's he's definitely a he's a true born proud son of Chicago, and um, this particular uh, this particular play is no different because it's it's talking about you know both these characters are presumably uh, from outside this uh, are from the city or parts of the city but have ventured out. Um, you know, it takes place at Caroline's parents' house in Evanston, right. which is yeah, a, yeah, and she doesn't uh, feel she belongs there. I think in yes, some ways, yeah. exactly, their life is very different. So they're you know there. There's a class element where they're talking about you know being being strangers almost in this particular neighborhood that they've just, that they've found themselves meeting in. Um, but I, I think that you know in any place that in any place that has, especially in San Diego, when we're talking about. Um, uh, you know, taking place at the La Jolla Playhouse, which is kind of right. like our, you know, uh, getting to be our like more quote unquote nicer, higher end area. Yeah, um, getting to be. What are you talking I about? Mean, La Jolla has always been. Yeah, no, idea. but I mean, because like there's there's other places that are more suburban. Ah. I would say than like La Jolla. I don't. I would never. <laughs> oh, I, I get would, what you I would mean. never I, necessarily yeah. consider you know the where the playhouse is. Yeah. As a if anything, suburban. I mean, it kind of fit in my neighborhood like some of these houses yeah. and stuff, you know, I mean, this is kind of a very quiet suburb that, you know, somehow exists in San Diego. It's not really upper class, but I, you know, it's a middle-class neighborhood. Yeah. And some of the housing, it's like, I could see exactly like, you know, if the end of the world happened and all I had was this, my house, <laughs> you know, and to board it up. I mean, I, I felt very, uh, it felt very immediate. Yeah. You know, absolutely. To me, in that sense, yeah, you know, and I th- and I thought that it was you know him trying to draw these parallels with um, with Chicago, and again, I was telling Joshua on the way home that like I am not, I'm not one that's that's super thrilled or into uh, any type of theater that's that is really leaning on its location. Mm. So like yeah. you know, anytime it's like someplace that's oh, I'm it's it takes place in New York, but it's also but like the other character is New York. This one, I I thought he did a really great job of like this is a Chicago play without hitting you over the head, talking about like quote unquote Chicago things. Like it just seemed yeah. natural. It doesn't. It didn't seem forced. It seemed no, not at all. Part I I would agree with that. I would say that it was um, it was, it, it, you can be familiar enough. Yes, exactly. with Chicago. Yeah, you know, it wasn't too you know detailed and you know where people that are watching are like what the I don't know what they're talking about all right it yeah. doesn't resonate exactly like one time I saw uh, the first time I saw in the heights was here in San Diego and I was like I get it but also at the same time like I would be different if I like lived in New York City oh, of course, and from yeah. there so I thought that I was able to relate a little bit more uh, in this regard so yeah 
Which which just goes to show that you can be really personal and really specific about things, and it just all comes down to you know how it's uh, what the direction is and the writing and um, yeah. performances. Yeah, because you get the sense that you know even though you know they grew up there, there's that kind of hometown thing. They they still felt like outsiders, so it wasn't too self serving. Exactly. Of like you yeah. know we're in Chicago, you yeah. know very. You know, that kind of thing. Um, like, even the play, even the musical Chicago is, right. like, not even really about Chicago. Like, it no, could take place no. anywhere. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it's like Chicago's a state of mind kind yeah, of vibe. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so some of the things I wrote down during the play, which I had to do in the dark, so some of this stuff, I'm like, wait, what the hell does that say? Uh, I like the fast-paced dialogue mm-hmm. a lot. I liked how they kind of talked over each other sometimes, and, you know, it moved real, real fast, very, uh, felt very millennial in that yes, sense. Yes. Um, I love her shirt. When she comes out, her shirt said, nah, as a quote, Rosa Parks, I thought was fucking hysterical. Yeah. They kind of snuck in a little bit of social justice warrior stuff, mm-hmm. you know, uh, as a comment on that culture, not, not, um, I don't mean that the play, even though it did have elements of, you know, of social justice concerns, um, I mean that SJW satire, you know, was, was pretty nice. Um, I like some of the fuck the police stuff. I love, uh, there was a quote, we don't need more cops, we need more community. I thought that was awesome Mm -hmm. because I wholeheartedly agree with that. Uh, I like that, um, oh, I think I already mentioned that how Twilight Zone-ish it was. Uh, There was a quote, infected as fuck. I thought it was pretty funny. (laughs) I was like, I I need to write that down. Um, yeah, um, I don't know what that says. I think it says something about abandonment, social family. Oh, yeah, yeah. the show itself is being like a comment on abandonment. You know, when, yeah. you, when both when the, left, the two main characters, isolated. uh, Roland and Caroline, are, are experiencing abandonment from opposite ends, yeah. and they're. I don't think this is a spoiler. They're they're definitely trying to. It's interesting because they're trying to comfort each other um, about the abandonment they're experiencing, though what they're reacting to externally is exactly what the other person's experiencing. Yes, they have so, opposite. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So it's like that parallel of yeah. like, oh no, you're fine, but I'm actually like what I'm experiencing is exactly what you're worried about. And yes. Yes. Yeah. And vice versa. So that um, which that. I did. I, I, I like that. The yeah. juxtaposition of that was great. Yeah. Um, and great yeah. shout out to, uh, also shout out to local actress, Linda Libby. Oh, I know um, she's so good. She was she, awesome in Hedvig. Yeah. She was awesome in Hedvig. Uh, she was great in guys and dolls at the old globe, uh, last year. And I gotta be honest, like she there, when she, when she's on, uh, when she's on uh, the set, like you just kind of are drawn to her, and she has this really great, like fun and just kooky one up to eleven character. That yes, you know, absolutely, yeah, yeah. So, um, just real, I'll just say, like my only my only critique is I would have liked a little bit more specificity on what was going on. Yeah. Um, Especially because they talk about certain symptoms and I want to know why, why those symptoms, why is that happening? Um, So I, you know, I mean, I know that the, the play is, is not necessarily commenting on, you know, um, medical crises or like CDC emergencies, but it's good to have a little bit more, you know, I just, I would have liked to have had just, yeah, a little bit more of understanding exactly what the nature of the, um, apocalypse is 
I will say that. It did not ruin the play. Like, I walked away from it. Like, I would totally go see it again, and I hope I get the opportunity before it, the run finishes to go sit and watch it again, um, you know, just so I could take in, you know, just those. The, the performances were great. All, all three of the mains I thought were great, um, you know, and it's a lot to carry. Uh, you know, how long was the show? It's a 95-minute show, no intermission. Yeah, 95 minutes so it straight moves. through. Yeah. It moves really fast, and that's a lot to carry between three people, and you got to keep it interesting, and you got to keep people engaged, and I thought they did a great job with that. That was that was really my only critique, is leaving it as like, mm, I, st- I, don't, I still didn't feel like I got exactly what was going on. Um. You know, but I was happy with like even the end of it. You know, obviously, like I said, don't want to give it away, but even that, it felt very old school Twilight Zone, Hitchcock. You know, I liked the way it resolved. Um, you know, but I just I would have liked a little bit more information about the apocalypse. But I, I thought it, I I'm I'm gonna go the opposite way on that. I felt like it was. I felt like they gave us just enough. Um, it kind of reminded me. It it, it kind of reminded me a little bit of of um, high tension in the sense that you know mm. this person is doing you know the killer, the monster, the killer is doing what it's doing, and we don't really know why. Right. We just know that it is. Yeah. And there's no explanation. And and it was also unsettling because in an apocalyptic situation, uh, we won't really know. Like there, there, there won't be like a giant narrator. Um, again, like the apocalypse, apocalypse horror just kind of gets me, it gets me a little bit more than, you know, let's say French extremity would just because it's like something that could actually happen. Yeah. Um, It's scary how close we are. You know, the power goes out and we lose our minds. You know, we're, it's a very thin veneer of civility, I think sometimes in our, in our culture. And so we, we break down real quickly because we're scared, you know, we're, we're creatures that don't respond well to change or to, or, or to being really, really afraid and with no answers. So I guess you're right. That does serve the show a little bit more. It's just me personally. I was like, eh, I would have liked yeah. a little bit more. Um, was there any anything that you didn't, that you found, like, you know, to be critical of? Um, not necessarily. No, not really. Because yeah. um, I just liked, again, like, I'm a huge sucker for a rom-com. So yeah. I thought that it had that very much. And then being there, also being with you um, and seeing it and having had this fright school education as things were happening, people were saying things, reacting in a very like, uh-uh, mm-hmm. don't you do that. Don't you take yeah, that from that white true. lady. Like, yeah, don't yeah, you? Yeah. 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 <laughs> so having those, having those uh, moments there and, and also reacting, <laughs> and it's just funny because it's like you know, with the with the other uh, theater goers, um, you know, because again, we're experiencing we're experiencing uh, the beauty of live theater is that the 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 action is happening by flesh and blood people also right in front of you. Yeah, so, absolutely. Um, but yeah, I thought it was uh, I thought it was um, a great marriage of the two and a great way to open this season. Um, this is the first in uh, the uh, 2019-20 uh, La Jolla Playhouse uh, season. So I thought it was a nice, strong opener for them. And oh, yeah. Going Absolutely. into going to be a really good summer for them, too. Yeah, they have all kinds of good shows uh, coming up. Where did it go? I have their... Um... They got the Without Walls Festival coming up this summer, which is all site-specific um site-specific oh, uh, cool. theater that's going to be taking place at Liberty Station. Um, there's even, like, I think a musical coming out uh, that Tony Hawk is attached to that's going to take place on, like, a skateboard halfpipe. Um, Kiss My Aztec, book by John Leguizamo and yeah. Tony... How'd you say that? 
Um, no, no, they that's in the Without Walls Festival. Oh, 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 oh sorry, on. sorry. They do have a new musical and coming. They, though, they have a few new musicals that are coming out. Uh, Kiss My Aztec, John Leguizamo, who um, actually I actually got to see uh, a. Uh, him doing a workshop of his most recent uh, one-man show that was on Netflix, uh, Latin History for Morons. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Which was really great to see how the changes that were made and eventually um, how it got produced on uh, for Netflix. Uh, but yeah, the La Jolla Playhouse is, is a place where if you want to... Um, if you want to talk about new work, if you want to experience things first, um, it's a great place. Uh, Come From Away, uh, most recently, still on Broadway right now, which is a play about um, uh, Canadians in uh, Newfoundland and, the, and you know how they welcomed the world on 9-11. So, um, yeah, if uh, we're, we're very fortunate enough, uh, as, as theater goers, as Joshua and I both are, I've always felt that we're very fortunate enough to live uh, in close proximity to the Hoya Playhouse because yeah. we can always, um, you know, it's always a good chance for us to see uh, things on the vanguard. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and to see it developed and, you know, how they alter change, you know, as it makes its way to Broadway. It is. It's very, very cool. We are. We're very lucky. Um, I was trying to think before we wrap up, if there were other horror plays that you've seen that you've enjoyed. Um, I mean, not uh, if you're talking about play, I mean, live theater, mainly musicals. So Sweeney Todd, um, Little Shop, uh, those pretty much. Oh, I did see um, at Deaf West uh, a couple years ago, or like almost nine years ago, uh, my sister in this house, mm. which is based on the Papan sisters. Uh, there's also a play called The Maids, or a movie called The Maids, where they were sisters in France that murdered their um, that murdered their employers, but yeah. they also had an incestuous relationship. Yeah, and it was some of the best like lighting and the best lighting and kills that had that I've seen on a stage because there was when they actually kill um, when the sisters after being caught having sex um, go to murder the lady of the house and um, her daughter it's a stormy night so there was like uh, there'd be flashes the powers going on uh, in and out so there's flashes of them running to the kitchen to grab a cleaver and an ice pick and then them lifting it up at a particular time and you know you never see the death but you just it's it's beautifully hidden by uh, these between gr- the lights. Between the yeah, lights, yeah, like yeah. it was so great. It was, it was like one of those strobe almost exactly, and wow. it was just one of these moments where it's like this is the magic of like live theater because it was so unsettling and it was just so perfectly timed. Um, and that was at Deaf West, which is a, a theater that's a, a company that's known for. Um, uh, having deaf actors and doing plays. Most recently, they did a uh, revival of Spring Awakening on Broadway, where they incorporated deaf actors and deafness into the play. Um, Big River, which is uh, based on the um, the story of Huckleberry Finn, they also did uh, on Broadway as well. Uh, so, but that's to... the other horror, other horror play that I think I I have what seen. Is that? Isn't there one, The Sugar Witch, or? What is that uh, the Sugar Witch? It's like a voodoo. Um, that's kind of horror adjacent. Horror isn't it? adjacent, yeah. I mean, because it has magic. So, talking about magic, 
Oh, okay. For some reason, I thought it was more horror-related. I mean, obviously, there's always, like, Macbeth and, you know, those uh-huh. sorts of, you know, Shakespearean horror plays. But I was trying to think, Titus I mean, you yeah. know, Misery's been adapted as a play. Um, I think The Exorcist was adapted to, as a play. Let the Right One In has been adapted as a play. Carrie um, the Musical. Yeah, well, I was trying to think of plays. Because, mm-hmm. um, yeah, musical theater, there's a lot more room for playing with horror, you know, the genre. But to do a stage show, you know, that's, you know, what is it, The Mystery of Edwin Drood? I mean, that's mm-hmm. kind of gothic thriller. Um, but, yeah, I was trying to think of other horror plays that would be fun to see produced. Frankenstein as a play. Yeah, that's true. Um, but, yeah, I, it'd be interesting. I'd like to see more horror, you know, because this was definitely, it was a little sci-fi, horror-y, definitely. I mean, it was horror, you know, just in the sense of, you know, what these the characters are experiencing. Yeah. It's, you know, um, but it wasn't really, like, bloody, gory kind of thing. I mean, which is hard, I get, to pull off on stage, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> you know, to be too, too... uh Splattery. Yes. Can't be too splattery. (laughs) But anyway, so uh, overall, this show was really fantastic. I'm so happy that we got an opportunity to see it. Um, So if you're listening to this and you live in San Diego or you're visiting San Diego in the next uh, few weeks, go to the La Jolla Playhouse. See, put your house in order. It runs through June 30th. Um, Again, uh, playwright Ike Holter. It was... It was really very cool. Yeah. It was a really, really fun evening of, of uh, dinner and music. Or, I mean, dinner and <laughs> dinner well, and a play. we had dinner before, yes. <laughs> dinner and a play. Dinner and a play. <laughs> and that offensive bartender who didn't know who Elvira was. Oh, yes. <laughs> I for sure thought that he might have been uh, might have been one of us because he was wearing turquoise jewelry. But um, if he doesn't know Elvira, I mean, it doesn't matter. He wasn't here for Halloween. I'm like, you know what? <gasps> mm. But he helped a lot of people and there were no tips in his jar. La Jolla folks. Get it together. Yeah. Quit being cheap. Tip them. Tip, tip them. people. You know, so I still gave him a tip, a good tip, even though I was like, you don't know who Elvira is, so you're not getting any of these cookies. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, yeah, so thank you for a lovely evening at the theater, Joe. Thank you so well, much. Well, thanks for playing Playhouse. <laughs> keep, doing more, uh, keep doing more horror. Yes, please, We're happy keep inviting us. We're happy to come over and, you know, and look at your horror and... Uh, Tell, tell you what you, we think. Tell you what we think. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you have yourself a good night. Good night. Fright School is produced by Joshua Napier and Joe Farron. Our intro was edited by Davy Boy Productions. Our logo was designed by Jamie Channel Guzman. Episodes are edited and engineered by Joe Farron. Fright School is produced in terrifyingly beautiful San Diego, California. listening to the Geekscape Network. 